Well, welcome to another edition of the Forever Bristol City podcast. And we've got a full house in uh, for this episode with Neil, Ian, Dave Fevs. Welcome return to Dave and Mark as well. We were all at the game last night, hence we're recording this, having had a chance uh, to reflect. Uh, morning, gentlemen. Are we all uh, are we all feeling that relegation is uh, something in the past? You first, Neil. Should we now be forgetting any thoughts of relegation? <laughs> part of me says yes, but part of me still looks at Barnsley, Peterborough and Derby. I can't help it at the moment. But, uh, I mean, what are we now? 17 points above Peterborough? Yeah, they've got, got three games, games in, hand. in hand. Yeah, They've got two games in hand, but, yeah, I think it looks like uh, three from five and obviously in 16th, you'd like to think. Two more wins, I think. Two more wins, Dave. Yeah. Dave, your uh, thoughts? Relegation banished? I mean, it was a crap performance, but the right result, yeah? Yeah, no, we're we're not going down. I think, you know, Neil says a couple of wins. I think we probably need three or four points really. Get I think forty would be enough this season. So yeah, no, we're 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 safe. Not mathematically, but we are. As few as that. As few as that. 40 points. Yeah, that's fair enough. Ian, um, you know, somebody said we're nine points off the playoffs. That's that's totally irrelevant, but seventeen points clear of Peterborough with them to play at home. Yeah. I mean, you know, we we're safe, aren't we? Pretty much. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, my target in any in any season, and it's only one team gone down with more points, uh, which is under Ian Holloway, Leicester with 53, uh, is 50 points. If you can get to 50 points any season, you'd be extremely unlucky to go down. Uh, we need to get 13, 13 more points to get to 50 points. I agree with Dave, I think. It could be 44 or 45, definitely. I don't think it's going to be 50. Uh, it would be an extremely strange set of events for us to go down this season. Extremely strange. Yeah. But we're still... the the, the my, my issue, really, with us is still injuries, long-term injuries to the same players. Yeah. Well, let's and go we, back to injuries in a minute. Yeah, just right. general balance of the season. Mark, um, from your side, I mean, you're probably a cup half full person more than uh, any of us. I mean, it wasn't a great performance. It was ten to hooks in the last quarter of an hour, but you know that was an important three points because it was against a team that, whilst they've had a deduction, they're one of the teams in the bottom, uh, the bottom group. Yeah, uh, you know, relegation fears banished. They should be. And let's face it, we've had major squad disruption, um, really running out of midfielders. Another player had to go off last night in Masengo. And we beat a team that are below us in the league. We've won three home games in a row now. I just had to check that. And we've got an ability to grind out results. We should be pleased with that. It's not pretty. We make it difficult for ourselves. But I think we've got a good mentality in games. Closer, bringing in close has been a revelation. I think he makes the... Uh, the uh, defence more steady. If we can keep Williams fit, we should have no problems. That's going to be the, the big question. Can we keep Williams fit? The the, the, the mid central midfield looks much better with him in it. Definitely. So I'm a lot. I'm I'm, I'm I'm yeah. I'm pretty happy. It's not yeah. it's it's not over yet, but we should should have banished fears. But we we can grind out results at home, and that's that's the great thing. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Somebody said on Twitter, it might have been you Ian last night on the home form table. Based on the last uh, six games, we're sick. So you know, it's just a shame our away form hasn't uh, hasn't maintained what it was, or even half uh, what it was. Let's look at the uh, the starting lineup, and I'll pick bits of it with each of you rather than in general terms. Uh, uh, Neil Max O'Leary in goal. Um, he's kept the shirt now. We got well and truly done over at uh, Blackpool at the weekend. Um, are, you, are you surprised that Max kept the shirt, or is that another endorsement that he's he's there on merit? What, what are your thoughts on that, Neil? Well, I'm guessing that uh, there was some mention of Bentley having COVID, um, and that's why he wasn't on the bench. Uh, well, maybe yeah. he wasn't well, enough. Oh, he, he was he was on the bench, but he, he, I don't think he'd fully recovered. Saturday was Saturday was COVID. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Saturday was COVID. Hadn't trained until yeah. until yesterday. And uh, Dave, so, uh, yeah, I, th I think Max in the first half to answer your question, yeah. Dave. 
Um, I think Max in, in the first half, his distribution was poor, actually. The poorest I've seen from him, distribution-wise, yeah. for, for, for a while. I don't think he was great. Um, proved in the second half. Ultimately, he did everything that was expected of him, really. He came from a few crosses. I thought their set-piece delivery was poor, generally, apart from one corner. They had a few free kicks in. He came, he claimed the ball, he did what needed, really. But distribution-wise, he wasn't quite on his game, particularly first half. Yeah, Dave. The defence is it? Was it a? Was it a three? Well, was it a back three of Viner, Callas, and Klaus, or was it a four? How how did you look at the shape of uh, yeah, the defence yesterday? Yeah, it was it was it was a back three. It was interesting because in the warm up, they had Viner, Callas, Close, and Pring all working separately over by the dolman, and I I was trying to work out whether they were going to play as a back four. And I thought the Silver might have played left midfield from how they were warming up because he was doing work with the, with the strikers. But when they, I think Fleming said in his press conference, which I didn't hear until after the game, that they were going to play as a back three and Pring was going to be left wing back. But yeah, I guess they were just working on kind of stuff and spacing and things like that. But yeah, definitely a back three with Pring at right, uh, left wing back and De Silva at right wing back. I thought, yeah. I thought you know, Viner coming back in, I actually think that was probably one of his best games in a City shirt. I thought he was really, really good. I agree time. with you 100% on that, Dave. I thought he didn't... I mean, he gets a lot of pelters from uh, some mm. people, probably some of us included, but he did OK. What do you think Kloss brings to the side? I mean, he was conned, was it, for the for the penalty? But, you know, he's he's an intelligent... He's an intelligent player. And we've got two internationals back there with him and uh, him and uh, Callas, haven't we? Yeah, he's a good experienced player. You know, he's good in the air. What what you see from him when he attacks the ball is what I'm desperate for Zach Viner to learn, really, is to go and physically attack that that ball in the air and impose yourself on your on your man. And and Closer does that really well. He's really com- he's really comfortable on the ball as well. And I guess my my one concern with him playing left centre back last night was how would he cope in the wide areas? But he seemed to cope really well. I think he positions himself pretty well. He's he's not frightened to be caught out in the wide positions up against someone like Ince. I thought Reading were really naive from their keeper's kicks first half, but they pumped everything down their right wing onto Close's head. And I just thought that kind of just gave us back possession really, really easily. But um yeah, no, I think he's a, a, a good addition. You know, let's let's wait and see another three or four games and, and see whether he continues this form or whether he is, you know, going to keep putting in performances like that. If he does, you could quite conceivably see him getting a getting another year, couldn't you? Uh, you? You beat me to it there. I was going to ask the question: Is he worth another year? And you know, just the way he's played, you know, he's 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 done well. And considering he had no football in the first half of the season, uh, Ian, the mid the middle of the field, um, Hanoa Masengo and Scott to start. I know it didn't last very long. It's young. I'm not saying inexperienced because Hanoa's amassed a whole load of experience. Uh, sorry for his age. Um, it didn't last very long because he got injured. Um, what do you think of the Scott Williams combo yesterday, and also Jada Silva continuing to play on the uh, right side, which has some advantages? I know Neil disagrees with that, but what did you think of that midfield combo? Do you think it should have started with Hanoa, Scott, and Williams just to give us a bit more? Biting there. My own view, particularly at Swansea, because of the formation they play, is that we need three players in the middle of midfield. Um, the question, I suppose, is can we raise three players? So, in other words, if Masengo is out uh, on Sunday, given the way we've been playing, you would say that it would be Scott and Williams because there isn't anybody else. Now, what I would do if Masengo isn't playing or he's unavailable, my three would be Josh Hours on the left, Williams in the middle, uh, and uh, Scott on the right. Uh, when I say the right, I mean the right centre of midfield. And I'd dispense with a 10 and put uh, Vyman and um, Semenyo up front and play in the channels. Because I think that's where, that's where Swansea are weak. They've had two centre-backs sent off the last two games. Uh, and I think Bennett misses the game against us. So uh, I, I think we'll need that. 
in a pack midfield. There are, I know it's difficult to break up the, the WSM, as people are beginning to call it. But um, I, for, for me, we need that solidity. And if we've also got three at the back, um, you, you've got height in there as well. So yep. um, I, I'm a, I think we should be, because when, when you play 3-5-2, it inevitably becomes 5-4-1 when you're defending. And uh, we need the, the, the height for, to stop the crosses, uh, to defend set pieces, and, and to put some tackles in and let the players with the flair play. Uh, and on Jada Silva, I think he's a, a good little footballer, but I think he's he's better on the left than on the right. Although okay. I don't think I don't think he's played badly. Okay, that's good, Dave. Before I come to uh, Mark, you wanted to raise a point with what Ian was saying there. Yeah, if I could yeah, I, I, I think just on Ian's point, that kind of extra conventional midfielder on on Sunday is going to be needed, and I also think it it just gives Chris Martin a a chance to have a rest as well. I think he's yeah. played four, he's played four on four straight off now and we just started to see his you know his, his powers wane as the kryptonite of, of 90 minutes started catching up on him. So yeah no I agree. I'd agree with that. Well, yeah, I, was about, almost... I was going to ask Mark about strikers. I mean WSM down in these here parts used to uh, mean Western Supermare but now it's uh Wayman Semenyo and Martin. Um I agree with what well, Ian and Dave, I think we all agreed that Martin, when he had a little bit of a rest, he came back looking strong. Um, what what was your? I mean, Semenyo's a man on fire at the moment, isn't he? Yeah, he had that shot against the post. But uh, what was your thought on the front three last night, Mark? Um, effective in parts. I mean, we think Martin's touch has been pretty poor, apart from the chance that he, he created for Semenyo. But yeah, I just don't think it does him any favours playing him every single game. But it's out of necessity. Uh, and I think the problem is there isn't a like-for-like like for Martin. I don't think we, we might need that against Swansea because they do play the ball on the ground. They're not a team that plays long diagonals uh, like, like Blackpool or some other teams. So they're, not, they're certainly not, not direct. But I think the key... the key to the game is Williams as well. But, you know, who else is in there that, that can tackle... Um, you know, you've got, you've got Scott, who was going to be the advance, who's going to be the play the number eight with, uh, you know, with, with Williams playing a number four role. But yeah, who do you put in there? You could play Viner as right wing back and the Silver's left wing back if you wanted, if you wanted to, uh, to, to drop Pring and, uh, and possibly push him, push him into the, you know, push him into the back three. I don't know. So you could make adjustments. It's not really a three-five-two. It's a three-four-one-two because, or three-four-three because you've got three three attacking players, haven't you? In Byman, Semenyo, mm-hmm. and, and Martin. So I don't think it's ever been a really a pure three-five-two, uh, as such. But uh, I mean, I'm happy with the back three. But it's really, yeah, it's really having three three central midfield players that are fit that we yeah. got. That's the problem. We we're just running out of them, aren't we? Yeah. Sorry, Ian, you want to raise a quick point before I go back to uh, Neil? Yeah, Mark's quite right. We have been playing a 3-4-1-2. My, my uh, point, based on giving Martin a rest, because I thought at times last night, the bloke looked almost hamstrung. He was that stiff. Mm. Um, and he didn't have a great game. <clears throat> and when he's at his best, in other words, when he's rested and he's fit, um, he's an important player. And he can get goals. He showed that against uh, Cardiff. So, but we do need to be a bit careful with him. Yeah. Uh, and and I, and I think to get the best out of him, you need to do that. So, as I said, I would move to a three-five-one-two. Uh, sorry, a, a three-five-two because that's I don't we could, won't get away with twelve players, will we? <laughs> um, I, I'd move to a to a, to a more what I call standard slightly more defensive 3-5-2 and I'd, I'd stifle Swansea because they don't score tons of goals and I'd look for our forwards to get goals on the break in a, a similar way um, than we did it at Fulham but yeah. to um, obviously not to let in six the other end No, that helps Okay, let's get into some of the uh, the, the game high points I mean, I put on Twitter at half-time that most of the first half was uh, played with all the intensity of a a practice match. Um, and we, I think it wasn't until 
late on in the first half that Jay De Silva cut in and did bring a, a save from the debut goalkeeper. I'll come to you for the first uh, goal, uh, Neil. Uh, came at the perfect time, 44 minutes, surging run by Cameron Pring, great reverse pass into the path of uh, White Vyman under pressure, I think it was from Holtz, put a shot in, it bobbled away from the keeper and there was Semenyo with a close-range finish. That was it, that was a good end to the first half with a well-worked goal, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, uh, up until that point, as everybody has said, Martin wasn't having the greatest of games. There was a lot in the air that Vyman was going up for the flick-ons to Martin, and you're thinking, well, this isn't working. This is a bit dysfunctional. But um, it was actually Martin who put Vyman in. It was a good run. He signposted it. A uh, good pass around the side and the determination of uh, Vyman in that situation to get up and make that unselfish pass to uh, Semenya. Very good. Yeah, yeah. And then, so going in with an interval uh, lead. I mean, Dave, the second goal, I thought it was um, Scott who started it with a back heel, but Scott back heel to Martin, to Semenya, to bring the cross. And Morrison was an own goal. I had to look at that again this morning. I hadn't checked in the papers who'd scored it, but uh, it was a well-worked goal. And we showed a few good moves like that up at Blackpool all too infrequently. But, you know, that was it. Potentially game over at at Tuna, wasn't it? Take us through the goal from your perspective. Not not sure about game over at Tuna. (laughs) Not with us. I think it it started a little bit of interplay before that and uh, and Vyman just got a little flick down the line which committed their their centre back and on albeit you know then their centre back then cleared it back into to Martin's path and then the rest as you you can't describe. But yeah it was a well taken goal. You know, I think pretty much everyone in the ground must have thought Semenyo's gonna work this onto his left or right foot, create half a yard and he's gonna blast this. And he and he sensibly played in Pring and Pring put a good goal uh, ball across and yeah I thought uh, Scott had scored, but it was uh, Morrison got the got the toe before him, which was a, a bit unfortunate, really, because it was nice to see Scott get a goal, but also Pring get the assist as well. So, you yeah, know, it was a it was a good goal. And, you know, in that period, I think, you know, 10 minutes before half time, 15 minutes after after half time, that kind of 25 minutes, I thought we were well on top and, and, and controlling the game. And I guess we'll talk about the latter parts of the game in a minute. But yeah, good goal. Mm. Really nice goal to, to watch, I think. Yeah. I don't know where Ian's uh, disappeared to. His, uh, his, his, his picture's gone. <laughs> so I'll come to you, uh, Mark. It could have been game over when uh, Semenyo did... Uh, he took a pass from uh, Martin and uh, he has got a shot on him, uh, Semenyo, hasn't he? And it cannoned off the post. You'd have to say 3-0. That was going to be game over, wasn't it? Yeah? Yeah, the um, Reading were looking very, very, uh, very, very shoddy playing out from the back and the keeper slips over plays it straight to Martin and he just looks up, plays it to uh, Semenya on the other side, lovely chest down and swivel and shot, deserved the goal, hit the base of the post too hard for anybody to react. That I think that would have been that would have been game over and we wouldn't have been uh, shedding shedding thousands of calories in nervous exhaustion like we were at the end of the game wow. last night. Yeah. But the, the, the move was great and at that time, they were really poor playing out from the back. And that's how we got the second goal as well. Because to add to that, Vyman headed the ball down the line and, and he pressed the guy and who coughed up the ball again to enable us to play it across the pitch. But City looked very composed, you know, patient, able to play play in the last man. And it looked like then maybe a matter of how many we could score, but it didn't end like that. It didn't that. happen like that. Because it didn't happen. It, 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 Ian, the substitution on 68 minutes... Um, uh, i got to say this comment. Tommy works with me. He said Cod came on and he put in a performance that was as flaky as uh, the fish. Was that the right substitution to make? I mean, I think Dave said to me in a text later on last night that Pring was puffing a bit, which when he plays that wing-back role, he does. So was it the right substitution to bring Calamo Dowder on at that point in the game? Unfortunately, for the sort of season that Callum's having, um, it's probably not a good, never a good time to bring him on. And I don't want to start sounding like you, Dave, but he, he's not having a great time. Uh, and I've uh, defended the kid a, a lot. Uh, but at the end of the day, as a winger, which is what he is, he's not offering uh, enough output. 
And it's it, for forward players, for me, I've said it loads of times, <clears throat> the defending from the front and the closing down is very important, but it's not the be-all and end-all. So if you've got some lazy so-and-so, but he gets 15 assists and 15 goals a season, he'll do for me. You can't have too many of them uh, or you'll never have the ball. But no, Cam was blowing. And one of the problems with Cameron Pring I found last night is his first, first touch deserts him. I mean, he assisted, I, I would say, although he won't get an assist for it, the first goal uh, with an intelligent uh, underlap and a pass with his right foot. Unfortunately, I've seen a few times this season where he let he did it at Fulham and got booked. And he did it in another game, and I can't remember, but he lets the ball get away from him with his first or second touch. And then he lunges in after it. And sooner or later, he's going to get sent off for doing that. So my advice to him would be, Work on your first touch, son, because yeah. when, when he's good, he's good. Uh, but he, that is this, and a lot of our players are like it. They they've got, and this is one of the things I like about Jay De Silva. The kid has normally, and I mean ninety nine percent of the time, got an excellent first touch, and he's good with the. I think Lee Johnson used to call him bubblegum feet because the ball just sticks to it. Um, but. Yeah. No, I, I don't think it was the right sub. I can understand it was a logical substitution um, because who else do you bring on if, if you want to do that? I mean, you well, could what you could have done, Ian, what you could have done if it was yeah. sort of because Pring was, you, you could have actually flipped Jay De Silva back over there. Yeah. yeah. And you'd have we, had, and Jay De Silva, yeah. Jay De Silva, whilst he's not a good defender, uh, purely from a stature perspective, you know, yeah. he's a better defender than Callum O'Dowder is if you're trying to close out the game with uh, 20 minutes to go. Um, you're, you're next, Mark. Neil, you've got your hand up. Uh, do you just want to interject with something there, yeah? Yeah, just very quickly with Cod. Um, basically, the point I'd very quickly make is that if he's on the bench, in essence, to replace Pring in that situation, isn't he? So if Pring is blowing... And I know there are some elements that I've heard that he may have asthma and that affects his fitness and that is a key aspect of a wing back but uh that's what he's there to do so if if you're replacing pring the office substitution is cod if you're not going to use cod in that situation he shouldn't be on the bench should he well yeah but you could switch if you, have no trust, if you have no trust in him to make if you're looking to replace pring pring's blowing and you look at the bench and you've got cod there if you don't use Cod in that situation, you've got to trust your players that they're going to be able to perform. The fact that he didn't is representative of his season so far, isn't it? Uh, be, yeah. yeah. I mean, picking up your picking up that, agree with that, but you could have put Jada Silva on the left and you could have put, um, you know, even Scott drop back to that right wing back position. Again, you know. You're changing you... multiple positions there, David, aren't you? Yeah, you're okay. Okay, I'm getting on my cod hobby horse again, yeah? Anything <laughs> I, but cod, I'll have the hate. Dave, quick one from you. I, I, I guess ultimately he did what you suggested with the when O'Dowder then went off with a with an injury, is that he, he did move De Silva over there. He brought Cundy on at right centre-back and played uh, Zach Viner. That was the the other hindsight option, wasn't it? But I think, you know, Neil, Neil spot on that. What you want is you want Campering to give you 65, 70 minutes of bombing up and down there, irrespective of his touch and things like that, but you know, giving you plenty of energy and physicality. And with the squad we've got at the moment, you want O'Dowder to come on and do the last 20, 25 and give you lots of energy, you know, ability to break, etc. And you know, we didn't get that. We'll probably talk about him a little bit later on. But uh, yeah, it was a poor substitute in substitute performance. Yeah, no, not great. Um, Mark, um, the penalty, uh, I mean, the referee had a bit of a mare, in my view. Reading, any Bristol City player that got near any of their players, it went down at the earliest opportunity. I mean, I've, I've just looked at it uh, on the replay this morning, and it's clever play by him, con the referee, like they were doing all evening. We ended up with four yellow cards, didn't we? But uh, your thoughts on the penalty? Yeah, definitely conned. I think there's City make a mistake in it. I think Scott and Vyman allow Ince to run into the area. We stand right off him and allow him to make the run. 
but all Closer's doing is standing up and Ince runs into him and sort of twists his body, you know, with a triple pike, uh, like, you know, more Tom Daly, I think, than Tom, Tom Ince, really. It, it, it was a dive. I mean, he did, he, he con- I remember he conned us out of a penalty at Derby when we, we were freeing up at half time a few seasons ago. I think it was uh, Matty Taylor's first game, if anybody remembers there, that. Yeah. He, he got a penalty, but it, yeah, it was it it was a dive. Um, closer didn't deserve to concede a penalty penalty like that. Based Definite that, dive, and yeah, based it really, on that performance. really really yeah. pees me off when yeah. players do that. Yeah, um, Neil, penalty in your book that one. Brendan Dolman last night, I thought Closer turned round with his leg and caught him with the leg. I've subsequently watched it like you, and it's the arse, isn't it? He's turned around and he's run into his arse. So his arse is brought him down. And like Mark has just said, the way he threw himself to the ground in some sort of, you know, Tom Davey-esque, quoting Mark very well, sort of moment, it's like, but that was them all game, wasn't it? I mean, we'll get to it eventually and talk about their diving throughout the game. But I wasn't surprised when they went, when he gave it, quite frankly. Yeah. What about you, surprised. Dave? It wasn't a penalty for me, but I wasn't surprised. Yeah, penalty in your book. I mean, I expect you've analysed it a couple of times. Yeah, or looked at it in detail. Yeah, not 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 a penalty. Um, as as Neil says, as I'm you know I'm sat in the far end of the the Lansdowne, so I've probably got the worst the worst view of it. And I I could only assume that closer turned his back and you know flicked out a, a leg. Um, so not Tom Daly, but Larry Grayson style. Um, <laughs> And, and he brought him down. And then when I watched the, the highlights a, a few times uh, this morning, Ince has made sure he's ran into close. And and I think that just sums up Oliver Langford as a referee that he can't spot that, you know, from 10 yards away. So, well, they were doing it. They were doing it all game. I mean, Ian, were, here yeah. we go, 15 minutes to go. It's 2-1. We, I don't say we were in control, but we were playing okay in not a great game and I say Reading were particularly poor um, why this capitulation I mean you know if you take the last five minutes you know well, yeah, the last ten minutes in particular you know there were bodies on the line but it, it, you know, with the amount of chances that Reading had it wouldn't have been surprised if they conceded a point so why is it or, and do you think last night it didn't happen because we did show a little bit of metal or was it more bad misses by Reading or they didn't really create a clear-cut chance or other than through unforced errors by ourselves. What? Why do we keep doing this? Well, because we're mentally and physically weak. If you, you can do all the analysis that you want, but you need... It's, it's called bottle, isn't it? There are lots of people who can do wonderful things. I, I remember an old cricket coach of mine saying... He described a player at our club as being brilliant when not required. So, so he could do anything in training, and I mean anything. But when it came on top, he didn't want to know it. His, his, his backside used to go. And I've come across pe- loads of people like that in my life. I've come across, you know, they, we are mentally and physically weak. How do you correct that? You correct that by having more Joe Williamses in the side and perhaps more closers. Please, God, we can keep him fit. Because uh, the last thing we want with another Nigel Pearson signing is from a bad injury record. Because I think I'll just about explode at that point. But no, I, I think it's, it's fear is what it is. It, we've, we've been down that road so many times. We've conceded so many points after 90. We've yeah. conceded so many points uh, in the last 10 that we, we just think, oh, well, here we go again. And, and all the fans think, here we go again. That transmits itself onto the pitch. The players get it. And, and then everybody, it's right, everybody in the box and do what uh, a certain Mr. Gary Johnson used to call mothering the goal. Yeah. Um, and, and yes, we, we defended, we didn't defend well. But the main problem is we completely surrendered midfield. Now, I think Joe Williams was blowing a bit come the end. And I must admit, I, my heart was in my mouth when he went down uh, towards the end of the game. And I thought, oh, I think they said it was a bit of cramp in, in the end. Well, yeah, I hope it was. I hope it was cramp. Yeah. Um, and I think it was. But and you can understand 
people are people saying, well, Joe Williams should start. Well, you, I think you may be able to see why he hasn't been starting um, yeah. over the last... Because he, um, he was puffing a bit towards the end. Yeah, yeah. And, and as you say, so, he's, so, a good, he's a good player to bring on in his current half fitness for the last 30 minutes of a game because of what he brings or, to the table. Or, or you play him for the first hour, 70 minutes, a little bit like you said with Pring, get two or three nil up, and then someone else goes in and you put on somebody like Josh Hours who likes to tackle, left-sided, can run around in midfield and do that. But if this is one of the problems when you just play A2 in there. It's yeah. not, you know, you you can easily get overwhelmed yeah. by clubs playing three and then getting their wide players to tuck in. Yeah. Um, Neil, your, your thoughts on the Ian's used the term bottle. And after the game on Saturday, Nigel Pearson said, got the impression it was the same players. And I was trying to work out who he means exactly, because when you look round the side, you know, the, the, you, who, who are they? And why is there this bottle? It's a mental thing, you know, and I don't think the club have a sports psychologist, but maybe they should. But what are your thoughts, Neil? Just as a you work in a team environment at work, you know, it's a very different environment. But this bottle, Ian says he sees it in daily life or in his business life why why are we like this because if we'd have got half the number of points that we have dropped through being in strong positions in games just half the number that nine points that somebody mooted we're off the playoffs it would have been probably about two in a crap season so this bottle what's the problem well at the start of the season i thought the way we were playing in our possession we got tired out we were getting sort of 35, 40% possession and we were chasing the ball a lot. And mentally and physically, we were getting tired towards the end of the game. For years, I've been saying about this thing about uh, the away team attacking Yatio at the end. Um, when you're tired, when you're up against it, when you're physically, some players aren't quite up to the test like Ian has spoken about and Dave has spoken about. I think playing towards your own fans makes a huge difference. If I can think this season about some of our performances and the way in which it's predominantly at the Atio end, isn't it? Mm. And with some of the bigger away fan contingents playing towards them, they suck it in. They suck the goals in last night. And then we've, we've changed it around um, a little bit. Uh, I think uh, against uh, uh, Blackburn, um, and and there was a few games there where we were attacking the the south stand in the in the sec um sorry defending the, the south half. stand in the, yeah. in the second half. I just think that giving that whole away end to Yato is is pretty rare nowadays, isn't it? If you go to, if you travel away, you, you'll see that mainly the stand behind the goal is either split or it's uh you know we're stuck on the side or whatever mm -hmm. like that. Um, I just think we give them an opportunity. If I was an away team, I'd want to be playing towards my own fans in that second half. And particularly if they get a goal. I mean, the worst example, obviously, is the Forest scenario, isn't it? The Forest home game. But mm. it's just that element of playing towards your own fans and then you get it. And then they go, come on, come on, come on. And then you go, right, yeah, yeah we can do this. You know? Yeah. And That's a good point. That's a good point. Coming on to you next, Dave. Yeah, Dave, far away. Do you, do you think that is, is that what you were going to say, that, Realistically, no, Max with the fans, be the away fans behind him, he's isolated. Um, what, 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 how do you, how do you view that? I, I, I do think it's a, a really good point. I, I think when we turned around our awful home form, was doing exactly what Neil said. We had a couple of games where we swapped ends, didn't we, for, for those games, and then we've we've switched back. Of like, you know, admittedly, we've, we've still got some, some results, but I, I think it. You know, psychologically, I think it could make a difference. The, the, the point I was going to make um, was, I think last night we were slightly unfortunate in that we lost Masengo after 17 minutes. In an ideal world, 60, 65 minutes, we should have been freshening up that team with Joe Williams. Not Joe Williams actually pretty tired at that point because he's, he's not started games and he's getting used to it. We we expected Callum O'Dowder to come on after 68 minutes and give us give us some dynamism, and uh, he didn't. So that was an, another impact. Um, 
And I think, you know, ideally we'd have liked to have probably freshened up Chris Martin as well and brought on Naki Wells. But we didn't have Naki Wells on it the was, bench. Uh, and, you know, a COVID victory. But you have got yeah. the, you could have brought Tommy Conway on just yeah, for a bit yeah, of you could do. energy, you, couldn't you? You, you? you could do, but I think what we probably wanted was, you know, I guess the, the point I'm trying to make there is there are other options. But ultimately, I think some of the reasons we end up struggling at the end of games is because the team that the 11 players that's on the pitch at the end of the game is not as good as the 11 players that started the game. And some of those 11 players are tired. We're not, you know, we look at Reading's two subs that they made last night. They brought on £110,000 a week, Danny Drinkwater. Yeah, okay, he's not the Danny Drinkwater that probably deserves that, that wage. And they brought on John Swift, who we were talking offline with Neil uh, before this course started, who was last summer was £10 million move to the Premier League and Reading wouldn't sell him, hence why they're in their financial predicament now. So I think we've not been able... The very few times where we've had what I would call a strong bench mm. were things like QPR away, mm. where we were able to bring Naki Wells and Semenyo off the bench. In fact, we... Joe Williams was on the bench that day and didn't even get on because we had a strong bench and we finished the game strong. Yeah. We got bloody mullered for most of the game, but yeah. we finished the, the game strong. I think strong benches... Sorry, Dave. I think strong yeah. benches are going to be a thing of the past, though, as we do take cost out, but then that doesn't just apply to us. And that, that's the, the yin and the yang with clubs, this, isn't it? Other clubs yeah. as well. Um, Mark, yeah, Mark. Sorry, a couple of sorry. things that Dave has raised there um, is, and, and, and the other guys as well. Playing, we seen. I mean, the great win against Man United. We were attacking. Uh, we were attacking our own supporters. But do you think it's best that when there's a bigger way following? Well, there was a big United following four years ago. Is it is it critical which way we play in the game? And then we talked about players getting tired. Have we still got some sort of fitness problem, you know, resilience over 90 minutes? So, Mark, your, your thoughts on that, first of all? I, I, I'm not worried about which end we play. I mean, I think the, the, fundamentally, do you give a whole end? Do, do you give the whole of the ATIO stand to the away side or could you put some home fans in there? That would make it a little bit more partisan, wouldn't it? That might be a solution. Whether they, it's for safe, they can do it. Don't know. So that's that out of the way. Secondly, I think it's a combination of two things. We surrender the midfield. And I think the midfield problem is that we're missing Andy King, Matty James, and really Tyreek Back Backinson was supposed to step on this season. And he, and he didn't. Really, it should have been a player who st- stepped up this season and was able to take, take you know, the game by the scruff of the neck and dominate it. But he didn't. And there are obviously problems behind the scenes. And he's been moved on. So we've got a lack of players. The best midfield general we got is a player that we are terrified about his fitness and Joe Williams. We see what he can do. Can he play 90 minutes? That's a complete unknown. And now we're worried about Masengo. What we have problems is in games is you, you'll find is teams expose our wing backs or full backs. All those games that we lost, they're able to go inside the, the wing backs or full backs very easily. Look tired. I mean, last night that was typified by O'Dowda, lack of bravery, trying to shepherd the ball out, doing a horde of Magnuson and Swift just, just nutmegging him and creating a chance. And that's happened countless times. Against Forrest, it was Jed Spence took the ball inside uh, De Silva and then attacked the penalty area. What we didn't do last night is just dive in. We stood up and blocked those balls. But I think it's a question of fitness, having problems with injuries yet again. Just, you know, in constant injury problems yeah. during games, hamstring injuries at the high performance centre. Uh, and that that's the problems. We've been unlucky with injuries. Uh, and I think we get exposed in the wing back areas, full back areas at the end of the games constantly. We've got to do something about that. But I think it's generally down to a lack of players. And we have to keep switching formations because of those injuries. The same thing happened last night as it did against Preston. We had to, we moved Pring out to, to left wing back and put Cundy in and move Viner out to right wing, right wing back. And we did the same thing, but, you know, uh, Pring went off and De Silva went off against Preston. It's that constant shifting. It is difficult sometimes. Yeah. But uh, I think it, it's the injuries that have really caused us well, the problems. Well, two other players not featuring. One's obviously long-term in uh, 
Nathan Baker and and Rob Atkinson. You know, I mean, yeah, we're running out of centre backs as well. I mean, all yeah. Rob Atkinson's injured. Callas is probably out for the season. You, you know, uh, you Baker, can, Mark. Sorry, you Baker's out Baker. for the season. Sorry, yeah. Nathan Baker's out for the season. Sorry, you can edit that. And so we're running out of central defenders. If you play a three, you yeah. know, will we will we have three sets central defenders? You've got to worry yeah. about. So it's just injuries, I think, a lot of the oh. time as well. Ian, yeah, I'll come to you next anyway. Ian, but go it, on, what are you going to say? It, we've got a small squad. With the signing of Closer, we've got 26 in our first team squad. And that already includes Scott and Benaroos, who are, who are kids. They're good kids, but they're kids. So you've got, sit at the moment, uh, last night you had seven players unavailable through injury and illness. You, you add the two who were out on loan to that, and this is critical because we're saying you're running out of centre-backs. We got one out on loan that we could have recalled in Taylor Moore. Now, I know Pearson doesn't like him because he's too good-looking. He hasn't got a broken nose and all that kind of thing, uh, and he's not a killer. So um, he's, uh, he's up, in, up in Edinburgh, but he is a centre-back. And you're saying we're running out of players in midfield. Um, so Backington's gone on loan as well. So my contention is with... A small squad, you can't have 25 to 30 percent of them injured. Now, if that doesn't improve and Masengo and O'Dowda are missing, that means you've you've lost about 35 percent of your first team squad. And 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 that to me is unacceptable. So we we've got to do whether it's don't sign players who've got a bad injury record, and I I, I think that'd be a really good tactic. Um, it for our recruitment because if you look at our recruitment in the summer, it, it's turned out to be very disappointing. With only Vyman, I would say, um, looking to be really good value and really good business. Yeah, now, I, I'm not blaming the other lads for getting injured, none of them wanted to get injured. Two of them had bad injury records anyway, Baker and King, and hadn't and King hadn't played any football, so I, I think it's hardly a surprise when it happens again. You, you wish it wouldn't, because I, I suppose I'm, I mean, I'm too old to have a favourite player, but if I did, it would probably be Nathan Baker. <coughs> um, ever, ever since I've seen him, so I saw him actually head the ball off a bloke's toe. And by that, I don't mean the bloke's foot was high, it was on, the ball was on the ground, and he dived to head it away, with yeah. the guy running in to lash it in the net. That's, that's um, probably why he keeps getting head injuries here. Let me, uh, well, let me post... You know, let me change the subject a little bit. Now, if you give him the Middlesbrough game, that and he wasn't in control last night, Nigel, 46 uh, games. It's almost coming up to his first anniversary. Um, lots of extenuating circumstances. I'll come to each of you in the order that you're on the screen in anti-clockwise. So we'll start with you, Dave. Dave, Nigel's been here a year. Yeah, it has been a season of continuing injuries financial problems that we all know about. Um, we often get criticised on here, me and, in me and Ian in particular, for this business about we are where we are, it's not good enough, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, it's still testing times ahead for Nigel anyway, isn't it? Never mind the balance of the season. This summer is probably more critical than summer 23, isn't it? Which I know you've said on in various media, but, What's your teacher's report on a year of Nigel? Um, I, I think what I think people have to recognise is we had to go backwards to go forward. So Nigel Pearson took over a disenfranchised squad last season because of our CEOs and you know our our owners' comments around we're going to see value on the pitch. Jiju and we're not going to renew anyone else's contracts until the summer. You know, it's hardly surprising that players' form dropped off or their wanting to win dropped off. So I think Nige picked up a bit of a, a what's the expression, a bit of a shit sandwich. If I'm if I'm being perfectly honest, and and that and that's why I completely disregard last season. And and I know that's selective of me, and you know, people on here might disagree with that, but I honestly could not give a toss about last season's win record and how that extrapolates into this year's to it his work properly started in the summer and I think Ian's right we have we, we've not recruited brilliantly uh, uh you know that's probably a 
probably the wrong word to say. We, we haven't recruited well at all. Um, we've we've probably brought some players in like King, re-signed Simpson, um, because there's probably a need to instill the right culture, the right professionalism, the right mindset. And I think on a pure football in front, for the minutes Kings play, where I think he's played well, the overall minutes that he's been available has, has not been good enough. Simpson's actually been in about 20, 20 squads this season, but hasn't, hasn't really played. And I, and I hope that for the cost of their wages, what they've done is done a load of stuff off the pitch that's that's helped the players and actually we benefit long-term. But from a pure footballing sense, those, those two have been poor signings. Baker up until November was probably one of our best players and it's a real shame what's happened to him. And I think it's a little bit unfortunate. Yeah, he's had problems in the past, but I think you know we, we worry about what the extent of those are. Atkinson's been a decent signing. Um, yeah, he's currently injured, but he's been in most squads up until about the last three or four. And I think Nigel's expectations of him coming out of League One, having only played one season of kind of EFL football, are lower than what a lot of fans were. So I think actually he'll have probably exceeded Nigel's expectations, um, but probably hasn't exceeded many of the fans. But I think he's a decent signing. I think when he's played, and he has played a, a fair bit of games for his, for his season, I think he's looked really, really decent. So I'm kind of happy with that. Tanner bought predominantly for the future. And I guess, you know, I'm going to just double look how many minutes George Tanner's played. 928 league minutes. So he's played the equivalent of 10 games. We probably, at the start of the season, or sorry, when he signed, we probably thought if he plays 10 or 15 games this season, you know, subs and, and all that, that's probably what we expect to get out of him. You know, he's been forced to play and unfortunately he's had a couple of hamstring injuries. Hopefully he's not too far away. So recruitment's been mixed. It errs on the side of being underperforming. I, I don't disagree. You know, the signing of Vyman's been been fantastic, hasn't it? Um, That's and I think Matty, yeah. And Matt, Matty James has been okay. But yeah, I, you know, I, Ian's point, we do need to recruit this summer players with a good fitness record I think there was a little bit of in last summer you know I, I don't know what Nigel thinks about our re- recruitment department but if you think that you know if we include re-signs and new signings he's gone back to three people he knew that might give you an indication as to he's probably not wholly trustworthy of of, of what of being able to execute the transfer window he wanted last yeah. summer and, okay. and we'll have to wait and see what happens this summer. Sorry, it's a bit of a, a no, long, no, no, that's long that's, that, that's, um, that's that's fine. Um, and what, what I was alluding to as well, Dave, is that this is the summer we've got to sign up. Some of the players are out of contract next summer, twenty three. Otherwise, we have got to move them on this summer, haven't we? Yeah, but yeah, maybe, I think the more detail of that, maybe we do that when we've got I don't know half a dozen games uh, to go. I mean, Neil um, is. In your view, taking account injuries and everything like that, is he getting enough out of the squad? Because, you know, in, in, in your opinion, and if we were having this conversation four week, uh, two, two months ago, I would say I haven't noticed it yet, but there have been glimmers of some a definite change in our playing style, which, funny enough, has coincided with the change of goalkeeper. So... Nigel's first year, which is coming up for its anniversary, all things considered, how are you rating him in year one of a three-year project? You know, we are where we are, and that's okay. Is that how you view it? Well, I think uh, I can see a plan. I can see a way of playing. I think the emergence of Scott, and the, well, definitely the way Semenyo has been playing for the last two months in particular, the pace and power that he brings up front was something that we were missing, you know. And I think that the emergence of those two in particular have kind of got us a little bit more on the front foot offensively because we score goals, don't we? Yeah. And we give ourselves chances because we're scoring goals again. Yes, we've got the problems at the back. Injury records-wise, I don't think Atkinson had had an injury before. He's, he's had three this season already. And Tanner, I don't think came with a good bill of health. I think it's a massive step up from League 2, League 1 into the Championship, not least from the physicality. 
And uh, I think uh, ultimately the injuries to them are unfortunate because otherwise we would have had a little bit more uh, scope and we wouldn't have been playing De Silva on the, um, on the right-hand side. Um, and because needs must. But I think, you know, we are getting the most we can in this situation, like you say, but the summer's an interesting time, isn't it? We've got summer 23, we've got 16 players out of contract or option years. A few have got option years like Semenya. But um, that's what we've got to move toward. That's why it's a three-year project when he took over. That's why he said three years, because that summer 23 is, and albeit this summer, we have to deal with the ramifications of players going into their last year of contracts and we yeah. can't make the mistake that we made under Ashton, you know, last summer. Yeah. Mark, we, we have, and then we I'll have come to be to a bit more yeah. professional and a bit better. Let me a do savvy. Yeah, let me do you first, Mark, then you, Ian. Mark, um, anniversary of Nigel's appointment. You know, we are where we are. We're on course for a lower mid-table finish unless anything goes, particularly Pete Tong between now and Match day 46. Um, are you happy? You know, is, it, is, 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 is this what we have to go through? Yeah, I mean, it seems, well, it seems like it. I mean, I, I think Nigel's hampered himself with two things. Going back and getting his, getting his mates from, from Leicester. Um, only Matty James really has, has been any good. And, and fortunately, he's got, he's got this foot injury. We don't know when he'll be back. And that he doesn't like, he doesn't like the loan system. I think other teams make use of the loan system and they get good hungry players in. I think Coventry City, just one or two, um, maybe Premier League players. I know it's a risk, but I, I think that they could have done a better job than, than King and, and Simpson uh, on, on similar wages. Um, the other thing is, I, I give him five out of ten, but on the positive side, Alex Scott has been terrific, quick feet, and his, some of his defending has been terrific. I mean, you know, blocking tackles, I've seen him in games, put his body on the line, but he looks so confident, shows no fear, puts his body across the man, wins loads of free kicks. He could teach Callum O'Dowd a thing or two. He, he really knows how to hold on to the ball, great first touch. And Semenyo, I discounted him a few weeks ago before Christmas. I thought his first touch was poor centrally. He'd be better off, carted off to the side where he could take a man on. He suddenly discovered this ability to shoot against Fulham w- with his right and his left. Yeah. And he just gets his body, lets, lets his, he gets his body and just beat players, uh, you know, by, by uh, you know, just put, put, drifting, drifting past them. And he's got quick feet. And Masengo as well. If he, you know, if he's able to play regularly alongside a water carrier like Joe Williams or another... I think we'll see the best of him. The problem we got with Masengo is he's in the last year of his contract. And as Ian's alluded to before, is it will he sign a new one at the moment? You might have to move him on in the summer if he doesn't sign a new contract. Otherwise, we get no value out of it. So I'm excited by the players that we're bigging through. Some of them might not be ready to play regular football. And I think next season, Nigel's maybe got to go for the loan system and a lower risk. Uh, to help some of the younger players. That's what I would do. But I'm positive moving forward. It's nice to see Max O'Leary in goal as well. Just like to see him have a little bit more upper body strength. And I think he could be, he'll be a certain starter. I think his distribution... Dave Dave was shaking his head head there, but I'll come to you. Ian, you've got absolute pelters after the the, the comments you made after the uh, Blackpool game. And that's it. That should be enough. You know, you were the devil incarnate in some people's eyes and... uh, you know, actually have people apologising for, you know, the amount of abuse that I was getting as well, sort of thing, <laughs> you know, for agreeing I with I you. Didn't, I, didn't, I didn't see any of that. Was that, was that on the kids' forum? Yeah. <laughs> Taking responsibility for other people's mistakes, David. So yeah, have a, Ian's have got a, to come back to the dispatch box and apologise. I've got young Mr Fevs for, to, to blame for that. That's probably the longest thread we've ever had to do with any of our podcasts. It was yeah, very keep scary. it up. FBC podcast, Blackpool away, and then 3,000 views later, 90 comments, you know, it was, uh, you know, it, it was good. But, you know, it is, you don't give Nigel the, you don't give Nigel the Middlesbrough game, but I have, and it's 46 games he's done. Oh, Mark gave him five out of 10. Um, yeah. You know, he has inherited a shitstorm. I know Dave pointed out, I think on Twitter the other day, about Millwall's cost base, because they have put forward as a side that, haven't got 
in the mess that we have. And I think you said as well, Ian, it was all well and good. Mark Ashton blaming him for everything, but other people have signed it off. And then you go back to 1982 when, well, you know, Alan Dix gave out, well, before Alan Dix, Alan Dix, when he was there up to 1980, gave out these 10-year contracts, right? He gave them out. It's the board, and in our case, it's the owner, yeah? So Nigel inherited a shit sandwich. Do you agree with that sentiment? And therefore, we're not doing so bad, you know, and if we ironed out a few of these stupid letting goals in late on, it'd be not a bad season at all. So let's have it from you. Do you think you were too hasty criticising, well, calling for him? Tell how it is. No, 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 I don't. It's an opinion. Yeah. And, and you know what they say, opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one. Um, so especially in these days of social media. No. And, and my point is, I don't mind being criticised with facts, but everything's factual. Mm-hmm. The, way, the way I see it, and I've, I've, I've written a piece that's uh, soon to come out and I just switch my camera off so I can I bring it up on the screen in. And, and, and read it uh, and what I've said on Pearson is this uh, there seem to be three schools of thought amongst City fans number one and this seems to be the most widely held view he hasn't had any money and he was forced to release good players so what do you expect the damage was done before he arrived and it was all Mark Ashton, Lee Johnson, Steve Lansdowne delete his applicable fault so he can only do his best now, I think that probably covers about 60% of our fan base, especially the younger demographic. Number two is he's been unsuccessful. His record since arrival is unacceptable. And many of the performances have been unacceptable. I'm talking things like West Brom away, Birmingham away, Sheffield United away, Millwall away. Uh, and he should resign and be sacked. Look at what Cooper's done at Forest or Coventry or Luton or Borough under Wilder. Why haven't we done that? And, and that, I would say, is about 10 to 15% of what I see on social media and conversations I have with people. And number three is he should be doing better. You alluded to this earlier on. He should be doing better with what uh, he's got at his disposal. And there are no excuses. We've got, some, we've got some good players. The squad's better than many clubs above us. And that seems to be about 20, 25%. And his league record, I'm not giving him Middlesbrough because he'd been in the job a couple of hours. Um, his record uh, before uh, last night's game was played 44, won 11, drew 10, lost 23, 456 against 78. And his uh, points 43 from 132. Um, win rate 25%, points rate 33, less than a point a game, which on most seasons would see you relegated on 45 points. So those are facts. The league table is, is one big fact. Mm. And I'm afraid you, you can change lots of things in life, but what you can't change are facts. And, and Where did you think we were going to finish, Ian, at the start of the season? Um, I thought lower mid-table, which is about, you could say, where we are. Now, that... That's where I thought we'd finish because um, I didn't think we'd have as many problems with injuries as we've got. And I think we would be slightly higher uh, if we'd kept more of our players fit. So particularly Baker, Atkinson, James. Okay, I think that would be that would be key. And and, um, I'm. it's, Dave made a point to me yesterday that, well, you need to look at Forrest's accounts when they come out and um, Borough's accounts to see where they are, to see if they're in the same position as us. And, and that's, that's, that's valid. But the cure to all, all the L's, uh, our club, Borough, Forest, would be to get promoted. And I look at the bounce that's, that Wilder and um, Cooper in particular have achieved and what Nathan Jones has done at Luton. And I look at that and I think, we haven't had a bounce. No, all right, that's, that, that's good words yeah, that, there. That's, 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 my, I that's, agree with your split of uh, 
views of fan sentiment. Yeah, you know, yeah. 65, 25, 10. Yeah, other people might argue it's I, different. Right. I say we're just coming. I'm in, be I'm in between your first and third one, Ian. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not in your sixty percent. I'm between your sixty and your twenty-five. I'm. I think yeah. Nigel. Sorry, I know you're trying to speak this so and I've interrupted. Um, I I think Nigel's done an all right job. I don't think he's done a fantastic job. I think there's room for improvement, but I don't think he. I'm. I'm my view is I'm glad he's there doing the rebuild than other people. That, that's my yeah. view. Sorry. That's no. fair. No, no, that's fair. Um, and I think, yeah, Dave, I agree with you there. Ian, I think you said, Neil, you want to bring a point in and then I think we'll wrap yeah. it up for the day. But Neil, very what's your quick, point? Very quick point, Dave. Very quick point, Dave. I, I completely take on board what Ian's saying there with regards to it. But if you look at it, we're not a bad team. We're not a bad team. And we've conceded seven goals. Those seven goals, 90 plus, just one or two of those not conceded, six more points, and we're three points off the playoffs. Yeah. It's incredibly fine margins in this division, incredibly fine. Yeah. And we, yeah, we, we haven't ultimately, you know, the manager can put the players on the pitch, can coach them, can do whatever, you know, to do it. He must be sitting there in the dressing room sometimes when he's having to come out and give the TV sort of thing, thinking we were there. We were there. The points were there for us. We put ourselves in positions. We haven't quite done. That's fine tweaking, isn't it? That's fine tweaking. And it's that, it's that tweaking at the end of getting, getting ourselves in a position at 2-1 or 1-1 or whatever and seeing the game through. Well, like game we had a pre Preston was seeing, a classic, classic example absolutely. of that because it's we played well. If, if, if Andy Vyman's put that easy chance in at Preston and put us 2-0 up in the first half, we go on and win that game, yeah, and we're well and truly, you know, we got well, our way I'm sure, back. I'm sure, to I'm, sure that, I'm sure there are loads of things during a game. Yeah. I just draw attention to the way in which we've conceded goals 90 plus. And the, yeah. the way that we've conceded goals 90 plus, we touched on it earlier yeah. with the reasons behind it, but we're not that far off. And it's, yeah. I could see us doing like a Huddersfield next season. Huddersfield struggled and then they've just tweaked okay. it under Corcoran and now they're at the right end. Yeah, Ian, and I said I just want to pick up on a point that um, that Ian made. Ian, you, you yourself said in answer to Dave's question, "Where did you think we'd finish up this season?" And you said lower mid-table, and you know if we string together a few wins over the next few games, that's where we're going to be. We're sixteenth, and if we finished thirteenth, that is better than what you expected it to be in. I think the frustrating thing for us is that we do look at three other sides, particularly the boroughs and maybe the forests and the Lutons, well, throw Coventry into that as well. You look at them and you think, what are they doing that we appear unable to do because they've got those extra points? And then, you know, then it doesn't start to look quite so bad what we've done and we've not had under Nigel and again another of your points there uh, Ian, under Nigel at no time have we had a managerial bounce it's not happened at no, all. and, and look, my, my issue is Dave you must have just said if 15 times you know if we hadn't conceded and I'm not having a pop at anybody but if we hadn't conceded all these late goals and if Andy Vyman had scored the goal at so-and-so. And I'm not going to knock Vyman for scoring because he's having his, the best season of his career. Um, and if we'd done this and if we'd done... Yeah, but it's if. Every club could say that. You know, if, yeah, look, look, no, you're look, right. at Man, look at Man United the other night. Well, if the linesman doesn't give that offside, we win the game. Yeah, but he did. So you, you, can't, go, you can't go on... No. Go, go on but, from, but, 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 but what you've got to do is, is I think... My, my criticism would be uh, managing risk is important Yeah. in, in any job. Well, we, need, we just need to close out games. That's a lesson. Guys, yeah, I need yeah. to wrap it up. I need to wrap it yeah. up my end. This has All been right. a measured, intelligent debate. Yeah, Dave, Neil, Mark and Ian. It's been good to have a chat. Um, and regular listeners will be doing another podcast on Sunday afternoon at some point. Uh, reflecting on the Swansea uh, Swansea game, uh, 
we look, we are where we are. Even the harshest critic, Ian, said lower mid-table was his expectation at the start. Good for calling him out there, Dave. We're not calling him out. It is, it is what it is. We are where we are, and we shouldn't be. Dave, too, we are where we thought we would be. We are where we thought we would be. Absolutely. Hang on. Yeah. Here we go. Thank you.